0: Welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. This week, I'm talking with designer, educator, and author of Creative Strategy and the Business of Design, Douglas Davis. Douglas and I chat about how a kid with no plans to go to college ended up with two master's degree and is chair of his department at New York City College of Technology. Struggling with addiction for years and how having a front row seat to seeing planes hit the World Trade Center on 9-11 helps cement his sobriety learning from your failures and how overcoming the fear of failing can help you progress in your work and life and more all right after this it's no secret that i love jack prince they're a longtime sponsor of the podcast and creative south plus they do great work whether they are making our pop-up displays and tablecloths or printing notebooks jack prince is always there when we need them this year they are printing new creative south t-shirts for me and the podcast stickers They'd have a coupon code on the back that gives you a great discount on all of their products, just in time for Creative South. Speaking of stickers, Jack Prince will print any kind, shape, size, or stock, including full-color stickers with full-color liner prints for you to use as product labels, promotions, bumper stickers, hang tags, business cards, and more. Right now, you can get 500 3x3-inch die-cut stickers, starting at 149. Plus, Jack Prince is giving Creative South Podcast listeners 15% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code SOUTH15OFF at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. If you like the Creative South Podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every dollar helps us cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool creative south podcast swag when you become a creative south patron you'll get access to exciting creative south news before anyone else a shout out on the podcast thanking you for your support creative south podcast stickers and t-shirts so please help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com creative south Douglas thanks for joining me tonight
1: thanks for having me I really appreciate it Jason
0: I've I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time and um I'll be honest I did not reach out beforehand for two reasons okay. one um I a uh, little case of being starstruck which doesn't happen wow. often with me which is weird um well thank you Yes, so uh so take that Christo I, for some reason I I was not starstruck at all reaching out to him. Um <laughs>
1: which but, is a, it, that's saying something.
0: Yeah, but wow. but uh reaching out to you I was uh I, was I don't know, I was a little starstruck on that. And then I got this like right before Creative South the conference this mm-hmm. year, somehow I ended up with this huge backlog. <laughs> so I literally had to take off 2 months from recording wow. just to power through everything. So um so I have finally reached out, and you have graciously accepted, and now we're Absolutely, talking.
1: Absolutely, And I'm glad that you did. I really appreciate it. You know, it's funny. Uh, we were when we were talking before. Um, mm. I was telling you I'm from Lexington, South Carolina, and so I've been in Brooklyn for about 20 years now, but I okay. still put my pants leg on, one leg at a time. So I, I definitely <laughs> appreciate you uh, reaching out.
0: Thanks so That's much. That's good, because it would be weird if you tried it to would just jump in your so pants. It would be so weird. I mean so. I know Pee Wee Herman did it in his movie, but
1: I don't feel like anybody else can get away with that. We are dating ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And
0: yeah. Very much so. So 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 yeah, you grew up in you grew up in Lexington, South Carolina. Yeah what was, what was it like growing up as a kid? What what were you into?
1: It was wonderful, man. Uh, When we weren't shooting bottle rockets at each other, um, (laughs) you know, you know all that. Yep,
0: you grew up in the south.
1: (laughs) Yeah, setting fields on fire, or you know, at the lake uh, or fishing.
2: Uh
0: It
1: was uh, it was just awesome because our very small little public school system had a wonderful art program, Mm -hmm. and um, you know, I was one of those kids who. Um, put zero effort into school and could act up, be the class clown. And when the teacher's like, what did I just say? You know, could spit back every single word, no effort, get a B. And Mm so I I was kind
0: of
2: that kid. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know how it goes where you're just not being engaged. But -hmm. when I found art, when I got really serious about it, um, it was just a really amazing experience to, in a very small little town, Mm -hmm. learn about the Pieta, learn about, you know, (laughs) St. Peter's, learn about the Coliseum and then years later go see that stuff, you know, on the regular. Sure. So, um, I wouldn't change anything about being born down South and being raised down South till 17. So it was, it was wonderful. It was great. So,
0: So when, when you're getting out of high school, Um, and I've heard you talk about this before. Yeah. You weren't really looking at college at the time. What, what, what made you change your mind?
1: So, you know, this is, yeah, you have heard me talk about this before. (laughs) Um, you know, it was about 11th grade summer and I realized that I had not had one conversation about college with a guidance counselor. So Mm -hmm. as amazing as that public school system was for some reason, uh, some basic things didn't happen. And so I said to myself about the 11th grade Mm -hmm. summer, I was like, you know what? If I don't go to college, I want to make sure that that was a choice and not because I was limited and I literally couldn't go. So I enrolled in summer school, took a math, took the extra foreign language, took the SAT three times just to get the best score. Mm -hmm. By the time I graduated high school, as you mentioned – no plans to go to college because I only thought as far as the options. I didn't think as far as anything else. So I was doing some community service in Columbia Mm -hmm. and I stumbled onto a conversation about Hampton university in the next room. And uh, the vice president of recruitment admissions was like, if you have the college requirements, you should apply. And I happened to have the college requirements because of just trying to make sure I had options Sure. And I remember going home that night and telling my mom, hey, mom, I'm going to Virginia. And uh, I'm really not so sure what necessarily, I, I don't know that anything changed my mind, but I was always interested in the option, even though I didn't have the plan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the story on that. The crazy <laughs> thing about it is that I was actually going to Hampton University to become a fashion merchandising. Okay. So I get there and the really wild thing about it is that <laughs> the very last night uh but my very last night before we packed up the car sure. was the night that OJ was like driving down the the interstate with his white Bronco. Okay. So crazy. So we drive to uh Virginia 6 hours later. My mm-hmm. mom, you know, walks around campus one time to see what she's paying for, waves at me on the way out, comes back 4 years later by the way. <laughs> for graduation, but uh, um, she didn't visit it all between at them? all. Like, it was like, you know what, we we got you out there, you know, you make it happen. But um, so when I finally got to the registration, they were like, well, our fashion merchandising program has been phased out. So I say to myself, well, you know, um, because I had that great uh art foundation, I'll just study this graphic design thing, and I don't know what that is, and it's the only thing I've have I haven't done in their offering, so I'll do that. And so literally, on a whim, or just by chance, uh, whatever you believe, maybe, you know, it's, it was fate, but that's how I got into the industry.
0: Sure. So, so yeah. I, I got a question for you specifically regarding Hampton University. When, yeah. when you heard the thing, how were you familiar with the college at all? No idea. No idea. So you didn't. No idea. Because it's, it's a historically I, black university.
1: Yes. It, and it's a really prestigious one. As yeah, well, yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Uh, so here's my uh, level of familiarity with Hampton before I just, you know, was accepted. I saw one person in high school wear a t shirt with Hampton uh-huh. University on it. And I knew that their mascot <laughs> was a pirate. And that was literally the extent of that. So it's, it's really wild because. Um, You know, I, I, after Hampton, went to Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, got my first master's there and Mm -hmm. bounced around to a whole bunch of agencies and design firms and publication places in New York City, ended up going back to school, getting another master's in integrated marketing from New York University. And Uh the crazy thing about it is that I've only applied to three universities and I have degrees from each one of them. Thank goodness I got in.
0: That's so. yeah, yeah. No kidding. Cause, no uh, plan B's here. <laughs> yeah. So so well, let's back up a little bit. So you're yeah. you're you're getting into graphic design. Yeah. You know, this is doing the math here. It sounds like you're a couple years younger than me. So this is like ninety five, ninety six. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, ninety four is when I went. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So so you know the heavy use of computers. You're still learning stuff the way I did, where it's you know. First classes, it's all hand on. You've got yeah, the rapidograph. You absolutely,
1: know, yeah. You know. Photoshop was like version two by then. I think. Yeah,
0: <laughs> multiple <laughs> multiple disks. Yeah. By the time you graduate, it's you know you've moved up to uh, the fancy world of zip drives. Yeah. Remember Mac clones? Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: wow. So, yeah. We got to stop talking about this. We're, we're going to be <laughs> retro. They're going to they're going to start calling and asking you about tape decks and <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: exactly <laughs> the zip drive yeah. and the jazz drive and <laughs> yeah that's, that's crazy screaming at the fiery uh thing on the printer <laughs> which i feel like i, I feel like it's still a thing because i've got my thing. printer that i've got at work has a uh, fiery rip drive on it and i still scream at it oh, at least yeah. once a week yeah so that's the way it works so man. yeah you're, get, you're getting into the graphic design yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I'm getting into graphic design and uh it was just it was a great experience because there was I always say Hampton taught me work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember one of my uh professors there his name was Lee Brady. He was from Yale and um he had parkinson's which I don't think we had a word for back then, but you could definitely see his hands shaking. But sure. when he when he picked up that pencil, his hand was steady as a surgeon. And it was amazing to see his concentration. It was really interesting because he would always say, if they ask you for 30, do 80 and choose mm-hmm. the best 30. And that really taught me to go above and beyond. And so, since I had a great foundation from K through 12, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. I was learning graphic design for the first time, but practicing fine art, rock carving, ceramic sculpture, the wheel. Painting, printmaking, all those things. Those are things that I, I was doing in K through 12 in the art program. Sure. But when I got to Hampton, I was learning graphic design for the first time. And so I do exactly what the professor assigned for the first three days after a class that you go to once a week. And with what I learned those first three days,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I would take the next four days and say, OK, so now based on what I've learned, what do I want to do with that? And I would experiment for four days, having already had the the uh, assignment in the bag sure. three days ago, and that really, really helped me to build on that work ethic and just to really understand that you're not done until it's finished, and who knows when it's finished? You know, mm-hmm. you just keep
0: grinding. Where did that work ethic come from? Because usually, you know, even the most disciplined college kid. Is usually not going to that level of effort and that putting putting that level of focus into things.
1: You know, um, being from the south, my my grandparents and my mom and everybody in my family they always knew I was an artist. So I mm. was I went to the state fair. My cousins popped some balloons with darts and got me a Garfield <laughs> mirror. And that night I sat down on the floor and started drawing it. And my mom was like, "What? So you didn't trace that?" And I was like, "Nope." And then remember those art instruction schools where you drew the turtle or the pirate and they sent like stuff through the mail? I saw an ad for one of those recently. Let me tell you. So that, right. I feel like that was like the first sort of art school that Mm -hmm. I went to. And that was happening while I was still in uh, middle school, high school. Mm -hmm. So I think I can say that even though we weren't well off or anything like that, I basically spent my whole childhood in art school of some sort. Sure. And so I had already had the habit of drawing at nighttime at home on my own time every day. You know how it Mm. goes. You first start with Garfield, then you can draw (laughs) it so like you you draw it so much you could draw it from memory. And then from there it goes literally the exact same experience. Right. Then you go to you know, you go to uh, like Marvel Comics and you start Mm. inking those and then you go to still life. And so there's a progression there. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that um you know my family would always say hey that's a that's a gift. And so I was I was heavily into drugs and alcohol as a full-blown alcoholic at 17 before I even went to Hampton. Really? But the thing about that was that they would always say that your art is a gift. And so you hear people say oh you know I'm more creative high or I'm more creative drunk or on drugs. I never ever mixed the two because it was positioned to me by my family like this is a gift.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I set it apart. And so for some reason, I was able to focus by pouring my effort into that, even though I was, you know, out of control in those other areas. So I think that combination of having the art school stuff at nighttime through the mail,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, and, you know, really seeing. Art and design as a gift really helped me to protect it, and so even though my personal life was in a shambles, Mm. I I was serious about the gift.
0: So yeah. So, well, I want want to get back to the 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 drugs and alcohol in a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 curious as you know, even though you're highly motivated, yep, you know when you get through, you still were you. You were still were the kid who wasn't planning on going to college, yeah what makes you decide i'm gonna go to Pratt
1: so I was on a i was taking courses in the i think it was uh like a it was like a marketing program at Hampton mm-hmm. and I took maybe a advertising sales course and in that course um we were split into teams and we were Answering a brief, I think it was for uh, MasterCard or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I told everybody on the team, hey, I'm a senior. I'm going to graduate in four months. So I'm the creative on this team. I need one month in order to actually complete this. Give Uh Give me the creative or whatever we're going to execute one month before I graduate. I was so clear about that. Uh-huh. when do you think they gave me the creative stuff to, to execute a few days? <laughs> yeah. Like a week.
0: Oh, well, so I'm more like, i than I thought.
1: <laughs> oh, and, but either way, you know, yeah, yeah too I mean, much it doesn't does
0: make it much better.
1: <laughs> it doesn't make it any better. So I was pissed about that, obviously. And as a result, I realized that, you know, obviously I didn't put my total effort into it. Cause I'm like, you guys don't care. I don't care either. Right. And, I remember the professor saying to me, almost as like a uh, like an, an insult, you should enroll in Pratt Institute or something like that, he said. So I said, bet.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and okay. I, got, I got two applications, one for VCU, mm-hmm. one for Pratt. I did not fill in the one for VCU. Got accepted to Pratt, went to Pratt. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, you know what? No one ever blame me for their mistakes again.
0: Yeah, that I mean, welcome to the corporate world with that, yeah, that I mean, assignment. I mean, yeah, yeah, but yeah. So, um, I mean, was was the professor understanding of the situation that happened? Absolutely not, because it
1: reflected on him that we didn't, you know, enter, and that's. That was the extent that he could see. But I am happy that for whatever reason, he did blame me. Because if he didn't blame me, just like I wasn't planning on going to Hampton, I'd Mm -hmm. never heard of Pratt. No idea. And yet, Pratt, again, just like Hampton, very prestigious. And, um, you know, because of the work ethic, I had the portfolio and I could Mm -hmm. get in. So it was great.
0: I have to laugh because my senior year of college, I took a marketing class because mm. um, I was a marketing minor mm-hmm. um, and I had a very similar experience. It was, you know, that teamwork assignment and yeah. nobody was doing their part at all. And I just got to a point where I was just like, screw it. And I, I went halfway through it and was like, look, I can't get them to do right. what they're supposed to do. Right. And you know, One kid was actually, he was a graphic design major as well. And he was in some of my classes Mm -hmm. and I let him have it. I was just like, dude, you're, you're not just hurting yourself. You're hurting all the rest of us too. It's like, I can't do anything about them, but I have to see you every day. Right. It was like, so at least help me pull our end of the stuff.
1: Yeah. And and it's funny because these conversations and situations that we were in, I feel like they were the foreshadowing. Yeah. (laughs) Because now, you know, years later, uh, I would continue to be on these teams. And though at that point, the stakes are completely different because you now are earning a living, you're getting a check and you're not, you know, paying for the the uh, right to be there, they're paying you to be there, yeah, and um, you know those things don't change, but no, what's good is that you go through the experience enough times to figure out exactly what your responsibility is in the situation, regardless of what anybody else is doing, mm-hmm. so that yeah. thank goodness was a little bit of a introduction to what we would find a little later in our lives, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah so so when you when you decide on pratt and when you when you get to pratt yeah do you are you pursuing graphic design as yeah. the sole study or education
1: design yeah okay absolutely and uh what was interesting is that so i get to pratt and i'm walking around new york jason six out of seven days without a dollar in my pocket man mm mm-hmm. it was so expensive and still you know, have, it still is. Yeah. Thank goodness. I can actually afford to be here now. But, you know, back then I'm 21 years old. <laughs> I have no idea that everyone else who's in my class is 30. So mm-hmm. I'm like the youngest person there and have no idea until one day they were like, well, how old are you? I was like, well, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> so that was really weird. But, you know, I'm walking around here and I don't have a computer, by the way. I didn't even tell you that. So I don't have a computer. I'm I'm at Pratt Institute. I'm studying communications design. Uh-huh. In nineteen ninety-eight, I do not have my own computer. So what I'm doing is I'm spending the night at my friend's house. I'm working mm-hmm. on her computer while she's sleeping every night. While she With- wakes up to go to work, I uh-huh. then go home to go to sleep.
0: I was about to say, when are you sleeping during this?
1: In the day, at least that first year or sleeping in the day. And then, uh, you know, again, like I've been really fortunate, really blessed that after that year, that first year at Pratt, I was found and hired by a dot com. I did Mm -hmm. not apply for my first job in digital advertising. And they hmm. found me. They hired me. I went from six out of seven days without a dollar in my pocket to you know dot com days of milk and honey, stock options, and sure, and a Threwing, lot of throwing money. cash at people like crazy. A, a lot of money during that time. And it wasn't a lot when I look bust. back. <laughs> exactly. It was exactly. So it was you know it was a, it was really amazing. But you know it was a really tough transition, and yet um, it was just it was an amazing. Like I listen to myself tell it now, it was an amazing story because mm-hmm. I mean, who stays here? Like, who does that? And I guess I can say me.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm curious, and uh, th- 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 I want I want to go back to with the drugs and alcohol. Yeah. If when you're going through undergrad do you sober
1: yeah. up at any point or not at all and the crazy thing about it is that by the time i get to pratt i'm black i'm blacking out i'm not throwing up my tolerance is so high that i'm blacking out so i'm waking sure. up at home and no I idea how you got have there no idea how i got there my knuckles are scant up i'm breaking the crystal on my watch like double digits time to go get it fixed mm-hmm. and that's when i realized you know what if i can't keep my word to myself, mm-hmm. that is time to change at that point. And gotcha. so when I saw, hey, you know, I would I would always say, you know, I'm never going to drink again. And, you know, <laughs> you know, you know what you say, whatever yeah, you're yeah. saying that thing. And again, I'm not in any way saying to anybody listening that drinking is wrong. I am saying that for me, I liked it too much. I did not have sure. any limits. And therefore, even though I was on the top and bottom at the same time, during that time because I became an adjunct professor at 25
2: mm-hmm.
1: and was my life was in a shambles because I was drinking and I couldn't control it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so uh I remember the dot com bust happens and everybody loses their job. Mm-hmm. And uh you know it's like a year and 9 months I'm eating lunch in the park in sure. New York City. I'm applying to every single design position every night. And Mm -hmm. at one o'clock in the morning before I go to sleep, I'm leaving messages on different creative directors and designers, you know, phones, messages, Mm -hmm. so that at nine o'clock when they come in, I'm the first person that they hear so that when they call me back, I can call them back on my break folding sweaters at the Gap. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that I was able to freelance as well as ride out the storm, but at the same time, losing my job, I lost my apartment as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting as an adjunct professor. I'm being commended for what I'm doing, and yet I'm getting kicked out of my apartment.
0: Sure. You know, so So, there's a lot
1: going on at the same time.
0: When you get kicked out of the apartment, are you just couch surfing or? I I have a church up
1: here, um, Church of Christ, and Mm -hmm. uh, I went and I was able to, to- to move in with some, some guys there in, in Manhattan. Mm
2: -hmm. But,
1: um, I'm saying all this because I think it's really important. You know, you mentioned earlier about being starstruck and I really appreciate just acknowledging what I've been able to do. I've been very fortunate, but as you can hear, you know, none of that was something that was just there, you know, that uh, and and I want to make sure that everybody understands because it's very easy once you've reached a certain level of success to sort of have people assume that you it was always like that. And I uh, want to make sure everybody knows and and that when they listen that they understand that this is mm. God's grace number one, but also you know that. It it took a little while to get here. <laughs> you sure. know, it took a little while to get here. So, you know, I um I'm I'm really humble about what I've been able to achieve. Um, but I you know, I always want people to understand that, you know, practice makes presentable and if you just keep working, you will reap those benefits over time, mm-hmm. just as I did.
2: So,
0: yeah. Well, I'm 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 curious as what, what made you what made you finally get sober? Yeah. So I Aside remember, from you waking up and not knowing right, who you are and all that stuff that gets scary. Which
1: I felt like that was probably the most embarrassing point in my life, you know, waking up at home. I remember, and this is going to get nasty, but I'm going to be honest with you. I remember waking up it was like a Saturday. So i wake up in my bed, yawning, normal wake up. Mm-hmm. And I look over to the side and I see someone is thrown up on my on my rug. And like halfway cleaned it up. So I'm pissed off. I'm ready to fight whoever threw up on my rug. And my next thought was, who else do you live alone?
2: Mm.
1: And I realized that I needed to call everybody else who I was at the party with the night before. Because I was so embarrassed that I had no idea what I did and who, what I was doing. And so one by one, I call my friends and they're telling me stories of a person that I don't recognize being. Mm Mm-hmm. And at that point, I think it was time. At, at that point, I said to myself, you know what, if if you can't keep the word to yourself because the night before you said you weren't going to drink again and after that second martini and that third Heineken, right before you blacked out, you remember what you said to yourself? At that point, it was time to, to do something different. The mm-hmm. crazy thing about it is that I remember, um, and this is all during the time of September 11th. Sure. So I remember um, I'm freelancing, like I'm telling you, while, while I'm working at The Gap. Mm-hmm. I land a client that is at Park Place at Church Street now. I'm not sure if you or, or people who, have, uh, who are listening have been to New York or not, but mm-hmm. that's the World Trade Center stop. That's the opposite of that stop. Okay. So every 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 stop has two X's. One at this end, one at that end. They're two blocks sure. away. Sure. So I land a, an, an architecture client, twenty five Park Place, in Church Street, at the opposite end of the World Trade Center stop. Mm-hmm. So the night before, September tenth, right? I schedule a meeting, and the day of, September eleventh, that morning, I take a cab, I go to the train, I have my meeting. It was a great meeting. I have my hand out to get the check that's going to pay my rent. And at 845, the building shakes Mm -hmm. that I'm on the top of, two blocks Mm. away. I hear on the top of the roof some construction workers, and they're yelling. We run one flight up, and right in front of us is a gash in the World Trade Center. Jesus. And we're watching and, and I have to tell you, Jason, so my hands over my heart, because the only thing, you know, we're, we're, we're visual people mm-hmm. and our eyes are what we rely on most of the time. But in this particular case, my eyes were giving me a picture that I couldn't quite understand. Oh, yeah. And so the only thing that showed me that I wasn't dreaming or dead was my hand over my beating heart. Mm -hmm. And we're watching terrible accident. Couple minutes later, we're seeing people jump out one by one right in front of us.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: We're watching this thing. We're thinking the whole time, terrible accident. 45 minutes later, out of nowhere, you see half of a wing and a fireball comes out at us. Mm -hmm. And we think that the top of that building that we're two blocks away from looking straight up at is about to break off and hit us and, and basically kill us. Mm. So I run out of the building, leave my portfolio, and we get downstairs. And obviously, thank goodness the, you know didn't work out that way that the top of the building broke off or anything like that. But we ran straight into the subway, and we we were the first people in the subway who understood what was going on up top. Gotcha. So stop by stop, more and more people get on. And Wall Street is about another two Mm -hmm. stops away from where we were. At that point, all hell broke loose. Women, no shoes, people screaming, blood. It was just Mm -hmm. crazy. So I leave my portfolio in that building. A week later, I get my portfolio back with water damage. Mm -hmm. I say all this to say that, you know, I was there and yet, you know, a lot of people, as you know, lost their lives that day. Yeah. And I i had, a, I had to really start taking things a bit more serious, obviously, mm-hmm. at that point, because I was no different from anyone that day who I had watched die.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had to really start to, you know, count my blessings and, and be way more serious than uh, the way I was living. Sure. So, yeah, man. I know it was a lot more than you bargained for, but I got a lot of stories, man.
0: No, no, that's fine. I, you know, I find that interesting that that is one of the things that helped cement your sobriety for you. Yeah. Because I think with most people in your situation, that may have just caused it to completely crumble and. Yeah. Go the opposite direction. Yeah.
1: And and you're right, because it was a lot to emotionally manage. Uh, I was fortunate enough to still have been going to church, and it was great to have people who were, you know, helping me through the Bible mm-hmm. um, at that, you know, particular time. But I, I definitely had the support. Um, but, you know, it was crazy because I was doing really well in my career until sure. the, uh, the recession. And then, you know... I was in pursuit of my career Mm -hmm. during September 11th and it was just really, really eerie to get that portfolio back a week later with water damage because there were some friends of ours who ran down behind us Uh when when the second plane hit. And for whatever reason, we kept going, obviously, because we just wanted to get out of there. Sure, But they went back into the building. And so not knowing it was going to crumble... Mm -hmm. And so when the buildings start to crumble, they start to try to run out, but they get chased back upstairs by the dust cloud, and they're in the conference room camping out. And when that dust cloud didn't disperse, they had to basically open the window and descend into it, and they grabbed my portfolio. Wow. So crazy.
0: Yeah, so that crazy. is weird.
1: So That's, wild.
0: Yeah. I, I can't even imagine.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's wild. It's yeah. wild. but yeah, I touch on all this stuff actually in the acknowledgement in the very first page or two in my book when I'm you know giving thanks to everybody who's helped me uh-huh. and uh, I, I I put it all into my book Creative Strategy in the Business of Design. It's it's in the pages. It's all in there. Very cool.
0: So I don't I don't know how to transition back yeah. into it from here. So we're ju- we're just going to take that hard Let's turn going, back in man. there. So you you know you're you're trying to get freelance work. You're working at the gap. You're, you, you are acting as an adjunct professor at this point too, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what, how do you end up after this, you know, trying, trying to make ends meet and struggling and middle of the recession decide, you know what? I need another master's degree, but this time in something completely, I can't say, I mean, it's completely different, but it's, they're related because you need to be able to understand that sort of thing right. to be effective. Right. So Absolutely. How, how does that yeah. happen?
1: So it's a year and nine months after the recession. The economy comes back. I get a job at Conde Nast mm-hmm. dealing with the web uh, versions of their websites, So GQ, okay. Epicurious, i Vogue. Vogue. I'm, I'm doing that work, which... Was basically the part two of my first job, Mm -hmm. right? Digital advertising. Sure. So I spent about seven months there freelance. Um, I asked for a certain amount of money. They gave me more than I asked for, which was good because the person who hired me went to Pratt. So
0: (laughs) that was a good thing
1: yeah um and then from there i I went that's not
0: something that usually happens yeah (laughs)
1: exactly so membership has its privileges let me tell you yeah (laughs) so from there i went to work at essence which was Mm -hmm. right across the street in times square at the time uh after really maybe seven eight month run there freelance Mm -hmm. i broke into advertising so i start at j walter thompson so now I'm making way more money than I've ever made before in my life. I'm still freelancing, so I'm getting a day rate at that point. And and yet I'm bored. I'm going to work every day. I love the people I'm working with. And yet I realize they don't really need me. So I'm just, you know, setting headlines and hanging out with the creative director. We're working on his album, you know, when we're supposed to be working on HSBC. <laughs> sure. And after about 3 months, you know, some account person comes in and They look really worried and they're like, the client's asking for a website. And I'm like, I know how to do that. And everybody looks at me because for three months I've been bored. And now all of a sudden I'm speaking to the creative director and the CEO of the agency telling them how much money we've left on the table the last three months when I was just bored. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to them about starting the digital arm of this specialized agency within J. Walter Thompson Mm -hmm. And I go from the guy who's really bored to the guy who's now the director of the digital capabilities. And I start hiring all my friends, some of which were (laughs) at that first job that I was at, at, uh, that dot com. And for 18 months, you know, we were the youngest people in the room and we were proposing things like mobile before there was a, you know, a platform like the iPhone. So we we're sure. proposing mobile when there's like Nokia's and there's Motorola's and there's Razor's and there's all these different When you've types got a two inch screen. Exactly. And so it was really interesting. Obviously we couldn't um, justify any of the creative decisions at that point because there wasn't the adoption numbers, but sure. it was great because we were... We were working for Deutsche Bank. We were working for HSBC, uh, Ruby Tuesday, uh, all these different large brands. And it was great to be the young people in the room who understood digital. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that allowed us to continue to, you know, build them additional to work on their their digital capabilities. Mm -hmm. And we were also freelancing on the side. So during lunch we were freelancing with this agency who was pitching the subway digital business. So I'm the director of this digital capability within JWT. I'm doing that with my friend. We're freelancing over here on the side and we win the subway digital business at lunch one day. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh God. (laughs) So now we've got, we leave the pitch with the business. It was crazy. Yeah. So now my friend quits our full-time job. The creative I mean, director. I, I can understand I, that. Yeah. Would be, and let me tell you why I quit. So when we win the business, this freelance agency that we're with, they're from Boston. They were trying to break into the New York business, to so we win the Subway Digital. Mm-hmm. They take us to lunch, and they're like, "Hey guys, what it's going to take? What is it going to take for you guys to join us as our now creative they, team?
0: Now, do they take you to Subway?
1: <laughs> Thank goodness, no. We had sushi.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: um, yeah. <laughs> so. I the first thing that pops into my mind I'm all of 25 26 at that point mm-hmm. when they ask us this question. So first thing that pops into my mind I said I want $100,000 and no boss. They were like done. So I'm like oh god now I'm a director. Shit I should ask for
0: more. <laughs> I was like yeah should
1: ask for like way more. But it was it was the most money I could think of off the top of my head that year. Right. Right. So my partner quits. Obviously, because now we've just gotten a $30,000 race. Sure. So um, I go back to the agency. The creative director is yelling at me because he's like, why didn't you tell me he's going to quit? I was like, dude, I brought you my best. I told you he can't remain freelance if I'm hired full time. He needs benefits Mm -hmm. too. Mm
2: -hmm. So he's like,
1: what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to preserve the partnership. And so he's like, what do you want? I said, I want $100,000 and no boss. And he laughs. Then I quit. Because I have $100,000 and no boss.
0: Right, yeah. And
1: so we're going from agency to agency together. We're working on all this stuff. And at some point I realized that I started losing battles because I couldn't justify what we were recommending in the creative space within the digital sort of you know, space or whatever we were working on. But I couldn't justify our creative decisions based on, you know, business and marketing objectives that we were supposed to be solving. Sure. So at that point at this new agency, I stumble onto a strategy session mm-hmm. and it was some of the most like intelligent people um, that I'd ever worked with because they were from the direct marketing side where they, you know, data and science and calculations, all that stuff was, you know, it's always been a part of that business. And so they mm-hmm. were applying that to digital So I always say that like digital or direct marketing is like, you know, digital's father, you know, where you always had to be accountable. You always could track it and you could always look at responses and things of that sort. So at that point I realized what was beating me whenever I was trying to actually sell, you know, creative work. And then I realized that in order to get out in front of this, I didn't want to learn flash and sort of go downstream more and be more of an executor. I wanted to go upstream and mm-hmm. learn what the decisions were that we were making from the beginning and be and inject creativity into making business decisions like Tibor Coleman said. Mm-hmm. So I I find the integrated marketing program at, at NYU and I go for it because I realized that, you know, design school doesn't teach you business.
0: And so I had a
1: whole career of executing what happens whenever marketing people come out of the conference room. I didn't know what the heck we were doing. You know, you're taught to make it pretty versus having the complete and total understanding that we're being asked to solve digital, digital, or or we're being asked to solve business problems with design or through Mm -hmm. design Mm -hmm. as the, the way to get to the solution. And so that's how I got to NYU. And so it was, Just this long juggle of working at nighttime, uh, you know, going to school, working in the daytime, or going to school at night—whatever configuration made the most sense. But it was great because I knew that I needed to add business to the creative side because I could sell more creative work if I understood how to speak the language of the people in the room. So,
0: so curious because I mean I've got a. a little education in marketing and communications. Yeah. And and definitely got it in you know design and all that. But yeah, it wasn't my main focus when I was in school. I've been working in the industry for 20 years now. Right. Um and I, I've picked up marketing definitely from learning it, but right. my vocabulary of it and being able to explain it is stunted is that what you were feeling at the time that's exactly it was like what you i was understood feeling. what was going on but it was how do you explain it you
1: know what i didn't even understand what was going on gotcha literally but what i did know was that my decisions that i was trying to to sell were right mm. so i had i had the intuition because i understood people yeah but i didn't understand the language that they were thinking or that, you know, we were actually speaking, which is business or marketing. So sure. I fell back on my, you know, creative vocabulary.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the challenge is that, you know, as a creative person, when you when you get promoted, you're in a room where you're actually not having the conversation about typefaces and colors anymore.
0: No, not at you're all. You're
1: in a completely different situation where the language is actually business and marketing mm-hmm. and strategy, which I had no idea about. So, it wasn't even a matter of you know, oh, I just need to learn this language I didn't even know that there was this different language that they were speaking. I just knew that I was right but didn't I kept losing because mm-hmm. I couldn't explain it. And so it was a full education for me. I remember being sure. in my very first class there, maybe first 30 minutes. So the first class, first semester, I wanted somebody to shoot me in the face, Jason. I was in my, uh, <laughs> uh, like literally, I was in my uh, statistics class, man. I oh. hated every second of it. Oh God. Yeah, like, I, did.
0: I it was so I, rugged. I got a D in statistics and oh. I was thrilled with that. I game. got a C and I was like, it's like I hit the lottery. Yeah. So
1: crazy. I put my grades in my book, by the way. Because grades don't matter in what we do, you know? It's really about what you understand uh, in terms of concepts. So I figured I'd prove that concept by putting my whole transcript from Pratt and my whole transcript from NYU Mm. in the book. So, yeah, man. (laughs) It's been a journey. It's been a journey.
0: Well, you you get through and... You know, through this process, you've been doing adjunct, teaching adjunct professor. Yeah. At, at what point do you think this needs to be the main thing that I do? This this is my passion.
1: So when I applied for NYU, I also applied for a full time tenure track, so that literally when I got in in two thousand seven, I was mm-hmm. also accepted. To that program that tenure track job so I shifted my weight from being a freelance designer who taught a class or two at night to a full-time tenure track professor mm-hmm. in design who freelanced that was where the transition happened and so sure. as a result you know I still I would literally this is crazy so I go to work in the daytime freelance mm-hmm. I leave one day a week at five o'clock, so I'm working at Tribal DDB at this point. We're working on a Vino, mm-hmm. um, and I go to work in a day. I leave at five o'clock, go to Brooklyn, teach a class for two and a half hours, go back to work.
2: Yes.
0: That
1: was the that was the grind, and when it was are you, just. Were you
0: sleeping? During you know, this?
1: I I, I think that's where the addiction helps me out where I'm not actually drinking or anything anymore but I'm pouring all of it into it. and I'm I was a serious addict and I'm a serious worker. And so okay, it's just about so, being really relentless at that point. That's what you see.
0: So your your addiction takes I heard someone phrase this and I definitely I definitely see this in myself. I've never been I mean I smoked so I guess I was addicted to cigarettes. But um but I, I'm not a drinker. I yeah. don't like. I don't like that feeling. I've right. I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. You know, I've I've smoked pot. I don't. A. It just makes me paranoid. Right. And and B. Then I just get giggly and sleepy. And at a certain point, that gets really annoying. Right. When you can't stop.
2: Right. Right. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah. And and so so I don't have that side of it. But I definitely have the perspective of it where it's almost like OCD. It's a compulsion. Yes. And it's, you know, so, so that's how you. That's it. You you turned essentially one addiction into another one that just happens to be a lot healthier.
1: And now it's made me so productive. Uh, yeah. I'm the chairperson at uh, my job now. And I oh. believe that I'm the youngest um, on the faculty full time. Mm-hmm. And I made it here because I started so young I have almost the same amount of I got 20 years experience sure you know and so even though I'm you know a lot younger than most of the people on the staff uh have this you know professionally we're the same age mm-hmm. in some ways but yet my experience was more recent
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I'm still working I'm still serving clients I'm still mm-hmm. doing what I do but that that compulsion that addiction that drive is is just pointed to progress now, you know, mm-hmm. and I just grind. That's what I do.
0: Gotcha. Through this process and, and growing. Yeah. What makes you decide to write a book?
1: Wow. So, cause
0: that is a, yeah, <laughs> that was pretty crazy. There's either two yeah. ways that comes about. And I realize there's more than two ways and it's not a black and white world. Yeah. But it's you either have a monumental ego, which I don't see talking to you. Mm. Um, or there's there's a situation that came up where you just had this word vomit that you had to get out of your head to explain everything.
1: <laughs> so interesting. Um, I think it was 2012. How mm-hmm. uh, came to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I guess they looked at my LinkedIn at that point, And they were like, hey, we're going to start this thing called How Design University. And we want mm-hmm. you to develop a course. So the course that I developed was called Creative Strategy in the Business of Design. It was four lessons. Mm -hmm. You uh, would do it at your own pace, uh, one lesson a week. There was Mm -hmm. interaction with me. So there was homework after each lesson and I would interact and correct it and have back and forth on Blackboard with whoever was taking the course. It was like 250 bucks. And after nine times of offering, and this was just the first nine times, because they would offer mm-hmm. it maybe every couple months, sure. they made 17 grand. So I realized, oh, maybe I'm not the only person going through this. Mm. So I then took that and they asked me to do a webinar. So I create a webinar off of like one of the four lessons. Sure. And they told me that their engagement numbers for this webinar Never went down. So people tuned in and they just, they didn't drop off at any point. They stayed engaged to the whole time. So they were saying, hey, we send your webinar as an example to other people of how to do a webinar. And I'm like, wow, okay, <laughs> that's cool. So then from there, I take one of the other lessons and I write an article. And that was my first article on how. That okay. went really well. Then they asked me to speak at How Design Live in Boston at 2012. <laughs> Now, here's the scenario. My session uh-huh. is at eight thirty in the morning on Friday morning. The night before, at oh, eleven geez. o'clock at night, there's a party. So I'm uh-huh. thinking nobody's coming to this session. It's eight. It's eight thirty in the morning on Friday. There's a party at eleven o'clock the night <laughs> before. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I show up. Six hundred ninety-seven people are in the audience. <laughs> And the crazy thing about that is that I buy these. I bought. I bought some Gucci, Gucci loafers, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know what possessed me. I choose to break in those shoes on stage in front of six hundred and ninety-seven people. I'll never do it again. My feet hurt so bad the whole time. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was. I had to play it off, but it, my feet hurt it so bad. It probably
0: helped keep you from getting nervous, though, because your feet were hurting so bad. So the
1: crazy thing about <laughs> it is that I realized, okay, so then I write another article, and then I get invited back to speak.
2: Uh-huh. And I
1: and I say, hey, you know what? I, I, I should probably try to pitch this as a book.
2: Mm-hmm. It's just
1: like random thought. But I don't write books, obviously. Sure. So I put a proposal together and they accept it based on the audience that I've been drawing in all these different formats. And that's how it happened. I just on a whim realized that I'm definitely not the only person going through this. Mm -hmm. I can't be because at every point, the metrics showed me that there was a group of people like myself who were going through the exact same thing in their careers. And so at that point I had already finished uh, NYU and what was very interesting about NYU, and I had taught on the graduate level at NYU on graduation day, they actually invited me to be a part of the faculty there. And so that was pretty <laughs> Did you like get out of your seat and walk around in a
0: circle and go sit back Basically, down? Basically,
1: it was pretty awesome. But I have to say that I had a point of view. And so oftentimes, sure. you know, I don't know what the right answer is, but I know what I think. And mm during that time, I realized that, you know, this is probably a longer conversation than an hour conference presentation, a couple mm-hmm. of pages in a magazine, uh, a a one hour webinar, you know, mm-hmm. a four lesson class. Let me just expand this thing. Let's go for it. You know, I got all these crazy stories that you've been hearing over the, you know, the the time that we've been talking. And so, I'm positive that I've learned something from these things over time. Let me just write it down. Mm-hmm. And so I, again, I know how to connect with people. was born in the South. I would not change that. You be, you're always taught how to interact with people, how to respect people. And that never left me, even though I've been 20 years here in New York City. And I'm really grateful for that. So I was able to cultivate that audience. And now I'm here talking to you.
0: Yeah through when you get all through this and then and, and you saying you know i was born in the south yeah made me think of this you're also you know now well i don't know if you're still on it but i know at one point you were with aiga on yeah. the diversity task force
1: i i was just named their um diversity and inclusion um chair but because we're having a baby in two months, I asked him <laughs> for a
0: co-chair, and I have the most amazing
1: co-chair. Her name is Pim Her She works at You're going to the- be fine
0: as a parent if you made that decision.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the first decision I made. Let me not do this by myself. But yeah. uh, Pim works at the Washington uh, Post, mm-hmm. and uh, she's we're this dynamic duo that hopefully will allow us to bring- the larger conversations about diversity of path or diversity of thought or uh, accessibility conversations to AIGA in a way that only they can in terms of conversation, have the conversation. So we're really excited about that. we got a great team and uh Yeah. I got a couple things going on. I'm also on a board uh, with the four A's, the American Association of Advertising Agencies. I mm-hmm. resigned from one board. I was there for 10 years. I helped them write the first curriculum for the first advertising high school in the country. Sure. And I advised them on the second one. I resigned whenever I was, you know, we're going to have a baby. Sure. And uh, I, was, um, I gave the commencement speech to that high school because they've been around for 10 years now. Okay. And uh after that speech I got an email about joining uh another board with the four A's and
2: so
1: <laughs> I uh I I did accept and so I'm in a few places just trying to do my best to be as efficient as possible, but I am going to slow it down because I'm gonna have a baby in one hand and uh, you know, I'm chairperson in my department on in the other, you know, in my <laughs> day job and I wanna make sure that I can definitely keep giving back to our profession but uh i also want to make sure that i can pour my love into to this little baby that we're going to have we don't even know what the sex is so oh I'm you gonna, went that
0: route yeah i'm
1: going to love whatever they give us
0: well i mean that's so, a given yeah. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. Absolutely. So I we're just I just liked knowing because um painting rooms, picking out clothes, the planning aspect of things it's that's, all generic. That was why my wife and I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a it's that wild card sort of, you know, it, it's it's just the way that I'm rolling, you know. I didn't know I was going to college, had no idea I was gonna go to graduate school, <laughs> and no idea I was gonna go get another one, no idea I was gonna write a book, so I have no idea what we're gonna have, and it's gonna be a blast. So sure. I'm excited. So,
0: through all of these adventures and, and and writing a book and going to grad school twice yeah. and, and undergrad and, and getting sober and your experiences yeah. with 9-11 and all, yeah. what, what has been kind of the underlying thing that you've learned about yourself yeah. that surprised you?
1: I think what surprised me is that what your parents and grandparents tell you, because they're your parents and they're your grandparents Mm
2: -hmm. about
1: being able to do anything that you set your mind to. That's really true. Mm -hmm. That if you just decide, and if you sacrifice in ways that most people don't sacrifice, you get to enjoy benefits that most people don't get to enjoy. Sure. And so I don't know whether it completely surprised me because it is something that you are told as a kid. And I'm hoping that everybody listening was told that I all, I do know that sometimes you don't believe it Mm -hmm. and I believed it. And as a result, even with the terrible choices that I made at different points, I feel like my mistakes and my failures are why I could sit here at this age, this young, and have had these experiences. So I guess the only thing that's really surprised me is that the only way to success is through failure. Mm -hmm. If you're not failing, you're not trying. You're not trying, you're not learning. You're not learning, you're not going to grow. You're not growing, Mm -hmm. then forget it. So I think it's really about failure. That's really the key. So if there's anybody listening right now, Who's afraid of failure? Just remember, practice makes presentable. Mm-hmm. You learn how to walk by failing. You learn how to talk by failing, ride a bike by failing. This is how you progress. Fail, fail hard, fail often. Learn from those things and then keep pushing. You can do anything you put your mind to. And I live that every day. And I'm hoping that, you know, when my little one grows up, I can say to him or her that I want you to do as I do consider the outcome of my life Mm -hmm. versus do what I say. I'm your parent. You know, I mean, that's going to be true, but I'm hoping that I can (laughs) teach them (laughs) through, through my experience and through the outcome of my life, because that is the loudest teacher, but it's also what no one can argue with you about. This is my story. Mm -hmm. This is how I got here and uh i'm so grateful for it so fail you know you can do anything you put your mind to i'm not special i just came before a lot of people listening maybe and um i just tried to work hard and put my head down and 20 years later you know i, I have an audience that's global mm-hmm. i often travel i'm often in in just around the country uh sometimes a couple nights a week i, I return to new york i unpack a bag i pack a bag and i'm out again but you know i'm not special i'm just you know somebody who believes that if you if you work hard and you do your best and you help people there will be people who will help you and so sure yeah man failure
0: i'm i'm cute i I've realized I've seen. I'm curious a lot today. Um, <laughs> do you hate it when you notice that tick and in, in, in. it just makes it worse? Um, for for people who are scared of failure, and I include yeah. myself in this because that's mm. you, I, I I let it hold me back. Yeah. Um, and i have I'm slowly trying to get away with that and making a concerted effort yeah. to to move past that, how do you, how do you, what would you tell them uh, how to get out of their own way and, and stop yeah. uh, being afraid of it?
1: It's funny because a lot of times people will say that, you know, fear makes me um, freeze and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm the complete opposite. Fear makes me act. I am more afraid of standing still because there's no progress standing still. Mm -hmm. So when I'm afraid, I act, I go and find the fear and then I work on it. But one of the things that you said just now, you said that your fear holds you back and that you've let it hold you back. The biggest Mm -hmm. thing that you could have done is acknowledge that because once you can say it out of your own mouth, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't have the same power over you than just being that voice in your head, you know, when you're trying to do something and you don't actually acknowledge it, but it's there in everything that you do or don't do and the things that you say or don't say, it's, it's very real. It it influences everything, but yet you don't acknowledge it. And so what you just did by being honest about it, by saying it out of your mouth, that's the first thing, man, just acknowledging it being like, look, the world didn't end when you said those words. Mm-hmm. So all I got to do is be honest with myself, but then say, you know, I'm going to move forward with this fear. And oftentimes when I go on stage, no matter who, uh, how many people are in the audience or how much they pay to come see what I'm saying, um, because sometimes those prices are more intimidating than the amount of people. Sure. But I think I, I, alf- I often ask a very quick prayer that God make exactly what I have, exactly what, what they need. And then I go do it because I don't know the right answer, but I know what I think. And I think that everybody could have stayed home and watched videos of people talk, but they didn't. So they came here. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing that I can do is at least start the conversation that I hope we'll have at the very end. And so the benefit is that we will build knowledge together. It's not, I have the answers. I'm going to talk through the way I do it. I'm going to show you some frameworks and tools, but beyond that, we will test this, us. Mm. And so I think what I would say to anybody is that fear is a dragon that won't shut up and to silence it, that's, that's your only choice. You have to silence it. Mm. And uh, I, I, I try to promote my book in very different ways and Hey, just buy the book. So what I, what I started out doing is, um, I would create a like a video promotion for each chapter in the book instead of like you know a generic one for the whole book. Right. And uh, so I created one called Slay. That's it's the one that you link sent me to, Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's
0: literally why yeah. when I said it, give me three minutes is because I was watching the video.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man. Like that's 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 a day in life. That's that's what it is for me. Everything on that video is that's what happens and the biggest thing there was that I I am as as much as I'm on stage and as much as I'm in front of people I'm very afraid of memorizing what I write Mm. and then delivering it on stage like you know in a way that I have to sort of insert it into my head I feel like that's what I'm still working to overcome sure and so I thought well what better way to get over my fear and how do you write a chapter on overcoming fear if you're not overcoming fear so i thought you know what let me take a stand-up comedy class
0: i was because, about to say it looks like you're in a in a stand-up club oh yeah that's in new york city man and that
1: oh geez, that five that's five minutes crowd. oh my god that five minutes that you have to memorize and perform because you're delivering it it's one thing to present something yeah it's easy but to deliver something, oh, God, and to deliver something to a crowd of people who are in the room to be entertained,
2: mm-hmm. that
1: is a whole different animal. And I took the class because I wanted to write, and it, I knew it was going to help me edit. It was going to ha- you know, help me have a better economy of words. It would help mm-hmm. me in pres- presentations, that sort of thing. But when they told me that the final day was an actual presentation for five minutes at a real New York City comedy club in front of an actual audience, I was death scared. (laughs) I bet. Death scared. And yet I was like, this is exactly what I need to do. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes, and again, maybe this is like that sickness, but for me, fear is always excitement. And it was the same thing when I was, when it was time to move to New York, it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm moving to New York. Oh my God, I'm moving to New York, you know, and New York is everything you've ever wanted and everything you've never wanted rolled into one. And so now 20 years later, I can definitely do anything I set my mind to. And that's how I've, you know, gained that confidence by continuously finding the fear, putting myself out there and trusting myself and having that one little prayer. God make exactly what I have, exactly what they need. And then I go forward. And so, you know, it's the only thing I say to anybody out there, you know, you, you have to almost... Say to yourself, you know that thing that you don't really think you can do? Mm. Prove it. You never Prove yourself know. wrong?
0: Yeah. You never yeah.
1: know. You never know. Yeah. So, yeah, man. I mean, cool. we're alive. We're yeah. alive. You know, life is too long to have a terrible job and to do something terrible that, you know, you hate doing. So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, why not enjoy it and... And it's been great because I've been really fortunate to, you know, buy property, own our home. um, And I basically work around life. You know, my office is wherever I put my laptop down in the world. And Mm -hmm. I've been really fortunate to make exactly what I have to do, exactly what I want to do. But I know that I'm not special. I hope anybody listening, you know, if they are fortunate enough to grab the book, I really hope that it helps you to push past that fear that all of us have, all of us have. But I hope that there's something in there that helps you because there's so many people who have helped me along the way and they didn't have to. So I'm I'm incredibly grateful, not only to the people who were there, but also to my students, man. My students are my wealth. They make me a wealthy man because what's amazing about that is, you know, taking somebody with a raw talent, helping them professionally because you have the vision for them. And to ask students who you never met, you don't know their names, but sure. the first thing you can say to them is, if you trust me, your work will be better than anybody else's in this school. And to have them listen and believe you. Just like I believe my grandparents and parents that I could do anything that I set my mind to mm-hmm. and to watch them over four months transform themselves. its There's not enough money sure. to, to give you that feeling. And so- I'm really, really fortunate to be able to do what I love, and I hope that it's clear that I love it. <laughs>
0: yeah, it I hope is. that it's
1: clear that I love it. So yeah, it, man,
0: it definitely is. Well, real quickly, as we're kind yeah. of wrapping up here, what yeah. aside from you know having a kid, uh, any time now?
1: Yeah, um, I know.
0: What 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 exciting do you have coming up that you can talk about?
1: Wow. Okay, that I can talk about. Uh, <laughs> That's always that, the kicker. That, that. Yeah, that that is actually the kicker. Um. So that I can talk about is that I was just invited uh 2019 to go to China. Oh, and wow. uh they want to translate my book. So uh I'm going out there for 4 days. I'm teaching a like a business model course to mm-hmm. students and they want that to be based on my book and so they're uh they're they're booking me early, which is good because mm-hmm. you know time really does uh, my schedule fills up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I can talk about. But there, there are sure. quite a few other things that are um, that are on the horizon. And, and you know, if if whoever's listening wants to, you know, shoot me a tweet at at Douglas Q Davis. You know, that's I'm I'm always about back and forth or an email at me at DouglasDavis.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. I really do enjoy interacting with people, and so. Uh, but yeah, there's there's quite a lot of things coming. There are quite a lot of things coming.
0: Awesome. So, yeah. we'll, we'll look forward to seeing all of those. Yeah, man. Thank you. In the meantime, thank you so much for taking the time absolutely. to uh, sit absolutely. down and chat with me. I've really enjoyed this.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it too, man. And then, you know, what I love about this, Jason, is the fact that people who are trying to build the creative community in the South, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm absolutely about that. You know, um, mm-hmm. my friend Carl Hudson Phillips, he's in Charleston mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he wanted to do that same thing. So when he met me, at How Design Live in Atlanta, and he said, "Hey, man, I'm trying to bring people down to build the creative community in South Carolina." I was down for whatever he was down with. So when you reached out and I saw Creative South, I was all about that. So yeah. thank you. Now is for he is he out.
0: doing Revolve?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. You know, Carl. I, I
0: knew I recognized the name. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm on his board too. So awesome. Yeah. So he's I, he's I, doing I, some great things down there. By the way.
0: I I I literally just put that conference in yeah. my budget for next year. He's so doing not, some
1: great things.
0: I'm yeah. hoping that gets approved. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So very cool. Yeah, it was
0: great to meet you. Well, like you. I said, thank you so much and absolutely. uh go out and hug some necks. It was it I'm was gonna great do my best.
1: Too. Yeah, I'm gonna do my best. And you take care.
0: You can find out more about Douglas on Twitter at Douglas Q Davis. And be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with him. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Creative SO Pod. And follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA over at CreativeSouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. Jack Prince is giving Creative South podcast listeners 15% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code SOUTH15OFF at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code Creative South. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And... Remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creative south. And if you like the creative south podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher or Google Play Music, rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks.